Fee-fi-fo-fum. I smell the blood of a Medicare for the Lazy Man podcast. The grass is greener under this Medicare podcast. And now, he can tell the difference between a pandemic and a panic. Medicare expert, Doug Jones. Oh boy, oh boy, it's another beautiful, uh-oh, cloudy, cold day in Arizona. Oh, welcome to another episode of the Medicare for the Lazy Man podcast. Sorry for that weather report, but it's obvious that this is not the sunny, warm, beautiful Arizona that I thought I was getting when I moved down here. And so I am uh, distraught, but I know somebody who's probably even more distraught than I am, because I know this is going to go away, but uh, we've got Mr. Carson, who is uh, definitely always disturbed when the weather is not sunny. Anyway, welcome to Medicare for the Lazy Man podcast. We're going to talk Medicare. We're going to make sure that your Medicare information is uh, uh, accurate, correct, and delivered in a snappy manner. That's our goal always. And if you like to read your Medicare information or listen to it in, in audible book format, I've got a great piece of news for you. If you go to Amazon.com or uh, BarnesandNoble.com and search Medicare for the Lazy Man, you're going to find an excellent book that will tell you everything you need to know about Medicare in order to cause you to be a Medicare expert and believe me, I wear that badge proudly, and I think you should too. So go buy Medicare for the Lazy Man. You can get it in any number of uh, versions. You can get a hardcover, a uh, paperback, a Kindle or ebook version, and you can get an Audible version. And uh, once you have absorbed the knowledge, and that's going to be a fairly quick process, you will be as expert about Medicare as probably 90% of Americans are today so go get that book sleep on it put it under your pillow and absorb that knowledge and uh, you will be the better for it so uh having said that i will uh i will uh introduce randy carson who is always the first person i give the first book hot off the press to every year uh, the only flaw i see in that plan is that randy is a soft touch and every time somebody asks to borrow his book he hands it off to them, and he never sees it again. Then he comes asking for more free books from me. Hello, Randy. Hi, Doug. <laughs> I uh, Ask me how many books of yours that I still have sitting around my office. Randy, how many books do you have still sitting around your office? None. Not Zero. One. Oh, boy. Well, okay, I'm going to back the truck up over there. Get ready. Uh, your uh, your Medicare Advantage alarm system will be set off by the people delivering another truckload of books. Well, that's okay because I'm all about the books. I've uh, I've tried to make good use of them. I've tried to uh, provide them to folks that really need the information, and they've made good. They've really they've made good use of it. But I, I would like to point out that we are coming into the holiday season, and it doesn't matter which one of the types of holidays you follow. But this is the season for giving. And I would like to challenge you all to go to Amazon.com and order up, oh, I don't know, 
a half a dozen of Doug's books. Oh boy. Now, if you did that, <laughs> it'd take you longer to give them away. That's uh that's really good advice for you, Randy. It is. It is because I I enjoy giving people stuff. I enjoy giving them information that's uh, going to do them some good. And the other thing I you know, I was just thinking about it. I haven't talked to Doug about it yet, but we may be running a special. You know, it, it'll be very similar to what we've done in the past. It, it probably will be something along the lines of buy six and pay for six. Uh, that's that's music to my heart, music to my ears. It warms my heart, the cockles of my heart. Well, I'm going to work on my uh, idioms, but uh, thank you. <laughs> thank you for what bringing are, that what up. Are, what are cockles anyway? <laughs> I don't know, but they don't sound that uh, delightful to have inside your heart. And that reminds me, we've got um, a couple of people I want to shout out to. Uh, one is Roy, who had a shoulder replacement. Now, Roy came in here a few episodes ago and described some of his medical history and how his high deductible plan was ideal for him because it's got a low premium when he's not getting a lot of medical treatment. He pays very little for his medical protection, his uh, medical insurance uh, with Medicare, but his um, his uh, history of medical problems has gotten kind of intense over the last few years, and Medicare is taking care of him swimmingly. But his most recent encounter with surgery was to replace his shoulder joint, and I've been keeping an eye on him, check on him every couple of days. He is recovering slowly, but they make him go to physical therapy. And that is, uh, it's like almost getting a setback when you go in there. They make you do things that hurt, and then it takes a couple of days to recover from that. But all in all, he's pretty happy with the fact that that surgery is behind him and that he's slowly getting better. And then we have our friend Randy, who is uh, going to be coming in at some point to tell us about his encounter with the surgeon's knife. Randy uh, was not feeling as chipper as he had been, and so he uh, went to be examined, and they decided that instead of uh, opening up one of his heart arteries with a stent, that they needed more intense uh, intervention. And so he just underwent a triple bypass. I've never really gone through that. I've only talked to a couple of people that have, and it's, you know, when we were kids, I don't think that kind of surgery really existed. It might have prolonged the lives of a lot of people that I knew that dropped dead of heart attacks. So I'm uh, hoping that when Randy is back to normal, that he'll come in here and uh, tell us what that thing was all about, because many of the people in the audience I'm thinking are going to encounter surgeons who suspect that they're their work is needed to prolong their lives. Uh, not just heart bypass, like Drew's father, uh, Andy McMillan had, but also our friend Randy, who is uh, much more close. He's not in Canada. He's right here in Arizona. And then um, Mary with her knees and uh, Roy with his shoulder replacement surgery. Uh, we're getting to the point where a lot of people have a lot of interesting medical things happening to them and maybe it would be interesting for the audience to hear what it's like in case they have to undergo some of this treatment in the future so anyway i uh, startled randy with our uh, subjects that we're going to talk about today because he is easily frightened and i didn't want to uh, really cause him to lose any sleep but we've got a little article called how medicare has dodged auditors and overcharged taxpayers by the millions 
So that'll be coming up in just a minute. But first, a couple of short items. Misleading ads are driving people to sign up for Medicare Advantage plans. Who would have thunk? Medicare beneficiaries are being warned to look out for deceptive Medicare Advantage marketing, some of which provides misleading information on savings, doctor networks, and may not fit patients' needs. Uh, Mailers designed to look like official government forms. Buses sporting scam pictures for Medicare websites. TV commercials featuring celebrities, I would say washed-up celebrities, who encourage people to sign up for Medicare plans that do not always include their current doctors. With Medicare's open enrollment underway through December 7th, which is over now, ladies and gentlemen, health experts are warning older adults about an uptick in misleading marketing tactics that might lead some to sign up for Medicare Advantage plans that do not cover their regular doctors or their regular prescriptions, and they will drive up out-of-pocket costs. Now, that's the AP, the Associated Press. Uh, Here's a blurb from the New York Times. Medicare Advantage or just Medicare? Now, what could that possibly mean? Let's uh, just read the first paragraph here. The sales pitches show up in your mailbox and inbox, in robocalls and texts. Ads target you on the radio and television and social media. Touting Medicare Advantage plans. These campaign promises or these campaigns promise low premiums and all kinds of extra benefits. And they work. The proportion of eligible Medicare beneficiaries enrolled in Medicare Advantage plans funded with federal dollars but offered through private insurance companies has hit 48%. By next year, a majority of all beneficiaries will probably be in Medicare Advantage plans. So that's not good news, but we found out the other day, one of our prior episodes, one of the things that's occurring that drives the growth in Medicare Advantage plans is large companies who have a lot of retirees and have promised retiree health insurance to their retirees. The retiree health insurance, it turns out, uh, these companies have discovered, is cheaper if they buy Medicare Advantage plans and force their retirees to uh, accept Medicare Advantage plans as part of the retirement package. And that adds lots and lots of bodies to the roles of Medicare Advantage customers. And that's because all these companies with thousands and thousands of retirees are kind of being forced into Medicare Advantage. So that's driving up the rate of growth of Medicare Advantage plans considerably. Hadn't even occurred to me that that was a factor in this until we found that article, uh, I guess, last week, probably. Anyway, now we come to the meat and potatoes of this particular episode, how Medicare Advantage plans dodge auditors and overcharge taxpayers by the millions. So in April I just thought 20- I'd let you know. I just thought I'd let you know, Doug. I'm shocked. Yes, well, I'm, I know I'm, this I'm, is surprising. I'm just, I'm just absolutely shocked that Medicare Advantage plans would try to dodge the auditors. Who oh, would have my predicted? God. What am I going to say? So I, I, well, I just don't know. I'm going to this, I'm going to be quiet now so you can carry forward. But I just had to say that is just absolutely shocking news. Remember when your daughter was a little girl and she sat on your lap and you would read stories to her like uh, I used to read Goodbye Sun or Goodnight Moon or something like that to my daughter. You think yeah, after yeah. 
10 million times of reading it, I'd remember the title <laughs> of the book. Well, I'm, you know, she's grown up and I, I would hate to have her grow up in a world where Medicare Advantage, uh, you know, washed up has-beens have uh, taken over the world with uh, the evil Medicare Advantage plans. Well, the other thing I would point out, and maybe I'm, you're the expert, I'm not, nor do I play one on television, but if you, if I understood what you just uh, said there, that people, Companies that have promised their retirees to have Medicare or, you know, medical insurance after the fact, and now they're pushing them all towards Medicare disadvantage plans. Exactly right. Doesn't doesn't that mean that essentially the government is paying for that benefit that the company promised promised to provide? Yep. The company promised to provide it, but they found a way to not pay for it. How do they do that? They slough it off on the federal government. So they force these people to take Medicare Advantage plans. The federal government pays the plan administrator a capitation or a dollar amount per patient per month in order for the uh, plan to provide medical treatment for uh, the, the members. And that's how that works. So all of a sudden, these companies that have promised their retirees excellent health insurance benefits in retirement uh there are now not so excellent so yep that's well exactly i'm gonna what i'm gonna go ahead i i apologize for interrupting but i was just so uh, taken back that they were actually gaming the system that's a good way to put it but your interruption really allows me to elucidate so don't ever hesitate to interrupt especially if you think i'm not as clear or uh, definitive about something as i should be well you're an expert i'm not i just i i understand these things in very simple terms and that's why for for a while i've been calling it medicare disadvantage but i come up and i mentioned earlier in one of our previous podcasts i've come up with a new name that might stick in people's heads a little as well as the Medicare disadvantage uh-huh, name, uh-huh. Pinocchio Medicare, Pinocchio Medicare. You had and, another uh, name also. You came up with two at that time. Fauci fatigue. Yeah, uh, that was the other one. <laughs> <laughs> yep. I like those. I don't know if the Pinocchio Medicare one is going to stick as well as the Fauci fatigue. That certainly has alliteration that people can't avoid. And it brings a smile to my face when I hear it. Uh, so, you know, frankly, you're right. These people, uh, need to have the story told to them over and over again. And, uh, sometimes I feel inadequate to do that, but I'm going to carry on the fight until, uh, others join me and, uh, we will have an army of anti-Medicare advantage people. But let me get back to this article here so that I can finish before noon, uh, <laughs> um, how Medicare advantage plans dodged auditors and overcharged taxpayers by millions. Now, we heard in other articles that it was billions, not millions. But let's go with this article and see where it leads us, shall we? In April 2016, government auditors asked a Blue Cross Medicare Advantage health plan in Minnesota to turn over medical records of patients treated by uh, podiatry uh, practice. Okay, turn over medical records of patients treated by a podiatry practice whose owner had been indicted for fraud. Medicare had paid the Blue Cross plan more than $20,000 to cover the care of 11 patients seen by Aegeus Aegeus Healthcare, a chain of podiatry clinics, and they were seen in 2011. Blue Cross said it couldn't locate any records to justify the payments because Aegeus shut down in the wake of the indictment. 
which included charges of falsifying patient medical files. So Blue Cross asked the Centers for Medicare and Medicaid Services for a hardship exemption to a strict requirement that health plans retain these files in the event of an audit. Boy, oh boy. So there's a rule to keep files in case of an audit. And what's the first thing they do? They throw away the files so that the audit cannot take place. That sounds a little suspicious to me, Randy. I know it probably does to you too. So here's a related story. Audits hidden until now reveal millions in Medicare Advantage overcharges. Taxpayers had to foot the bills for care that should have cost far less, according to records released after a Kaiser Health News filed lawsuit under the Freedom of Information Act. The government may seek to recover up to $650 million as a result. CMS, that's the Centers for Medicare and Medicaid Services. You'd think it'd be CMMS, but you would be wrong. So they granted the request, and auditors removed the 11 patients from a random sample of 201 Blue Cross plan members whose records were reviewed. A review of 90 government audits released exclusively to Kaiser Health News in response to a Freedom of Information Act lawsuit reveals that health insurers that issue Medicare Advantage plans have repeatedly tried to sidestep regulations requiring them to document medical conditions the government paid them to treat. The audits, most recently the ones that uh, the agency completed, sought to validate payments to Medicare Advantage health plans for 2011 through 2015. As Kaiser Health News reported last month, auditors uncovered millions of dollars in improper payments, citing overcharges of more than 1000 per patient a year on the average by nearly two dozen of these health plans. Two dozen plans are a bunch of criminals, it looks like. I'm not going to say that they're criminals yet because they have to be, uh, uh, you know, a court of law has to find them guilty, but I'm going to say it doesn't look very good. The hardship requests, together with other documents obtained by Kaiser Health News through the lawsuit, shed light on a secretive audit process that Medicare relies on to hold accountable the increasingly popular Medicare Advantage health plans, which are an alternative to original Medicare and primarily run by major insurance companies. Reacting to the audit findings, Chuck Grassley, uh, a Republican of Iowa, called for aggressive oversight to recoup charges. CMS must aggressively use every tool at its disposal to ensure that it's efficiently identifying the Medicare Advantage fraud and working with the Justice Department to prosecute and recover improper payments, Grassley said. Medicare reimburses Medicare Advantage plans using a complex formula called a risk score that computes higher rates for sicker patients and lower rates for healthier people. But the federal officials rarely demand documentation to verify that patients have these conditions or that they are as serious as they are claimed. Only about 5% of Medicare Advantage plans are audited yearly. Ah, there is probably a part of the problem there. They don't audit very many of the plans that are causing all of these problems. When auditors came calling the previously hidden CMS record show, they often found little or no support for diagnoses submitted by the Advantage plan, such as chronic obstructive pulmonary disease, diabetes, or vascular disease. 
Though auditors look at the records of a relatively small sample of patients, they can extrapolate the error rate to the broad population of patients in the Medicare Advantage health plan and calculate millions of dollars in overpayments. Overall, CMS auditors flagged diagnostic billing codes which show what patients were treated for and invalid as invalid more than six, 8,600 times. <clears throat> the audits covered records for 18,090 patients over a three-year period. In many cases, the auditors found that the medical credentials of the healthcare provider who made the diagnosis were unclear. The records provided were unacceptable or the records lacked a signature as required. Other files bore the wrong patient's name or were missing altogether. The rates of billing codes rejected by auditors varied widely across the 90 audits. The rate of invalid codes topped 80% at Touchstone Help, a defunct New York HMO. The company also was shown to have higher than average annual overcharges, almost $6,000 per patient to the government. <clears throat> by contrast, seven health plans had fewer than 10% of their codes flagged. So it, as you go on and on through this article, it appears that uh, sloppy record keeping has covered up the malfeasance of these insurance plans that are sucking at the teat of the taxpayer, the federal treasury. Uh, and somebody's got to slam the door on these people. And I'll tell you one way to do it is to uh, make sure that these plans are not able to operate in the, in the manner in which they've been operating, which is basically reaching their hands into the pile of cash, the pile of cash that the, uh, Treasury holds and then pulling out everything they can carry. Medicare Advantage plans are criminal enterprises in a lot of respects, it looks like from reading these articles. Medicare supplement plans are the plans that I sell and that I recommend. And those are the plans that uh, operate without any fraudulent activity at all because they rely on Medicare to diagnose or to, to uh, carry forward the diagnosis and the payment for uh, services rendered. And so if Medicare approves a charge, then the Medicare supplement will pay the charge. If Medicare doesn't approve the charge, the Medicare supplement will also not approve their portion of the charge. And so a Medicare supplement is inherently uh, fraud-free and uh, operates a lot more efficiently for the amount of money that the Treasury is uh, contributing to that care of that individual. So I don't know, uh, should we uh, be feeling guilty about uh, beating up on the, uh, the poor dopey kid on the playground, Randy, that Medicare Advantage maybe doesn't deserve all of this vitriol? Uh, no, I, I don't agree with that. I, I would say just the opposite. At what point, I mean, this article was very enlightening in a, in a disgusting sort of way, but how, at what point do these, insurance companies that are defrauding the Medicare Advantage uh, process with the government, at what point does that heighten itself to a felony charge? Apparently, they've already gotten there in many instances. They discovered $12 billion in felonious charges in 2020, as I recall from our prior uh, podcast articles that we've read. So I think they haven't been uh, uh, prosecuting aggressively 
I think that's where the weakness in the system lies now. They've discovered the flaws. They've discovered the fraudulent activity. They don't seem to be holding these people up as examples. They don't seem to be sending them to jail. Well, I was, you know, not that I want to identify, you know, someone who has been in the news for years, but you're aware of the Theranos, you know, debacle. Oh, yeah. Yep. Okay. Both of those folks ended up with their sentences uh, recently. Uh, one with 11 years and one with 13. And I think that would be something that would, uh, you know, slow down these Medicare Advantage people, you know, if they were to come up against a, you know, a, a 12, you know, on average, a 12 year sentence in the big house, that that might make them think twice. I agree. I think the Farinos people made the mistake of being uh, up front in front of the cameras. They couldn't stay away from a television camera, and they uh, loved to be interviewed about the genius that they were uh, bringing to the world. And then it turns out there was all you know a bunch of lies and fraud. But I don't see that happening with people who are stealing billions and billions from the U.S. Treasury under the guise of Medicare Advantage. They just keep, you know, in fact, they seem to af- uh, to offer more fraudulent promises than they have in prior years. I mean, they add to the list of free crap that uh, they promise to give people without telling them that that free crap isn't available everywhere. In a given state, it might be only available right. in one county or, you know. Right. And it goes on and so on. I guess, I guess I would argue, who's at fault? The guy's taking their money or the guy's giving them their money. Yeah, that's right. That's right. I, I'm in perfect agreement with you there. There's, I think, enough blame to go around, and it's going to continue until somebody slams the door on these people. Yeah, I agree with you. I totally agree with you. Well, you know, we are out of time, Doug. Oop. We have got to land the plane, put the train into the station, or however you want to however you want to refer to it, but we are out of time. We thank you all for joining us. As always, we thoroughly enjoy producing this podcast for you, Medicare for the Lazy Man podcast, because without you, it wouldn't be near as much fun. You could have spent your time a hundred different places, but you didn't. You were here with us for a few minutes of today, and we thoroughly appreciate it. You have just spent about 32 and a half minutes with Doug Jones, the anti-insurance insurance guy. And I think we've talked about all the other stuff, you know, where to mail Doug, where to look at the website, where to buy some books. I think we've done all that. But one thing that I would ask you is to find a place to give us a couple good five-star ratings because it helps us a lot in the podcast rating wars, and and we're in the same war as everybody else. So ultimately, that would be very much appreciated. In the meantime, you have just spent about 32 and a half (laughs) minutes with Doug Jones, the anti-insurance insurance guy, living in Cave Creek up in the high mountains, originally from the lowlands in Oklahoma. Which are filling up with snow right now. Yes, they are. (laughs) Bye-bye, everyone. (laughs) 